and welcome to episode 15 of the Dinner Sisters podcast, where two sisters taking on the nightly challenge of dinner. I'm Kate Schultz, living and working in Rhode Island, but today we are actually in Georgia, and um, but I'm a passionate cook, recipe collector, and I'm always thinking about our next meal. And I'm Betsy Wallace. I live, work, and raise my family in Atlanta, Georgia, and Kate's right. She's here visiting, and we are about to take off for a Florida road trip, which is really fun. But first, we're recording our podcast. Priorities. Priorities, Priorities. yes. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So um, if you do hear a dog barking or a small child, just ignore it like we are and move on. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Trying to get it done today. Right. All right. So our goal with this podcast, we want to cook a little better, learn a little bit about food, and most importantly, figure out what the heck to have for dinner. So here's how this works. Like every week, we have three recipes that we cooked and reviewed from popular food blogs, internet, other sources on the World Wide Web. We'll have all these recipes, tips, the smorgasbord, and the shopping list on our website, www.dinnersisters.com. You can also get them sent directly to your inbox by subscribing to our newsletter if you'd like to preview the recipes before listening. Right. We always send that newsletter out on Mondays. Monday so you would morning. get the yeah, Monday morning. So you'd get the newsletter uh, as the as the episode go, goes live. Mm-hmm. All right. So this week, our recipes were cauliflower with almonds, raisin and capers, chicken enchiladas with creamy green sauce and chicken cacciatore. Nice. Yeah. So the theme this week. All of these meals are some of our favorites, recipes that Betsy and I make again and again. And what I think is fun about these three is that they're all they're really different. I like looked at the, I was like, oh, these are all like kind of all over the place. But they all work really well, and we've made them again and again. Right. We were so happy. We thought we've been very experimental thus far. Mm-hmm. And it might be nice to take an episode to share things that we've just been, we just really love and rely Mm -hmm. on heavily in our own kitchens so that's that's this episode so our first recipe today is cauliflower with almonds raisins and capers from smitten kitchen and um it's her adaptation of a chef's cauliflower recipe actually i looked at this one i wanted to look up the recipe this is from 2009 i've been making this recipe for a long time Mm -hmm. um and if you read her recipe she says she's adapted it for the home cook which is actually saying something since this is a recipe with a few steps Right. The first time I looked at this recipe. So I haven't made this before. And Kate Which really... I cannot believe. Right, right. I talk about it all the time. You do. And I just... So I had made it. So this is also a, a, a great thing for me to experiment with this recipe. But I looked at it and thought, oh my God, Kate, this is so many <laughs> steps in it. Why does she always pick these recipes? And so I texted you and yeah. you said, hey, wait, similar to the stewed lima beans, yes. I don't actually do this by the book anymore i have some shortcuts which you shared with me yeah and then i think you were a little calmer yeah yeah Yeah. but we'll get in we'll get into that how uh you know justifiably you were a little agitated anyway so according to the recipe you're supposed to pan sear cauliflower and then roast it then you toast some breadcrumbs plump up raisins and vinegar and like toss them with toasted almonds herbs and capers so Mm -hmm. you get this like mixture right of all these like crunchy salty tangy kind of things Mm -hmm. and then that you put on top of this roasted cauliflower which is like a you know kind of a heartier vegetable it's just so good there's like so many things going on with it and and like i said i've been making this for like almost 10 years but like you like we said i realized i have adapted this a lot right right which is good so when you i actually tried to make this up at my cabin which 
I have mentioned before, does not have a stove. Oh, yeah. Limiting my um, ability to make some things. So, and I thought, I am not going to pan sear cauliflower <laughs> and then roast it. Know, what is the is, point of that? That's crazy. I, I still can figure that out. Yeah, know. maybe it's more delicious, but I don't mm-hmm. know. So I actually roasted it in my toaster oven. Really? Yes. I roasted the cauliflower in the toaster oven, which actually works well because that's like just a oven, yeah, you know. Hot, yeah. And then I, you had said to microwave the right. like part of the sauce mm-hmm. type of thing. And then I tossed it all together kind of in the hot plate. And oh. the chopping and everything. So I don't think very many people would find themselves in a situation without a stove, maybe. <laughs> but it was doable with those appliances. And it was actually kind of quick because I could, I just, nice. you know, when I was roasting the cauliflower, I could kind of do the rest of it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I agree that it is just amazing flavors. I feel like it's worth it. It's really worth it. Yeah, I liked it. Right. I think the double cooking of the cauliflower is overfill, overkill. Use the microwave for the raisins. Fresh parsley. She's got like a list of herbs. I only just have flat leaf parsley. So that's usually all that I, all that mm-hmm. I use. And so what I've done is I've written my adapted recipe down that I sent to you, Betsy. But I'll share mm-hmm. that with our listeners. And so you can take a peek, you know, compare, contrast. I, I mean, unless you're kind of a sucker for punishment, I'm not sure I'd make some kitchens. I love her to death. But this one's a little streamlined. And this would be like a side dish that I think would be really fun for company. Yes, I agree with that. It really would make you look like a cook who knew what what makes you look like a cook who knows what you're doing. Right. It's like complicated tasting, Mm -hmm. like restaurant complicated tasting. Oh, that's unexpected in like a good way. And so and I think when it came out in 2009, this whole fruit with roasted veggies things was really cutting edge. People are like, what? And now Mm -hmm. people are a little more used to it. So it's not quite as that surprising anymore. But I do think it's it's worth it. I, if I had to rate it, still mm-hmm. give the recipe five out of five. But can I give it for my own adapted version? I feel like that's a little much. Th- but anyway, yeah, I think there are only a few people that would be crazy enough to make it as is. So, yeah. Yeah, I like it. I gave it a four out of five. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was great. I'm going to make it again. And it might it might go into my regular rotation and bump that up to a five out of Did five. Did the kids eat it? I meant to ask. They... So I actually ended up with, I had used part of the cauliflower earlier in the week. So I made sort of a smaller batch of this for myself, kind of, oh, just so okay. I could taste it. And they had a little bit of it, but it wasn't like I made it Got it. as a whole side. And plus, my little roasting pan in the toaster oven is pretty yeah, small. That's not enough. So, But I will say that I, um, so I need to make it again as sort of a big family side and see how everyone likes it. This was more just... We had things on the grill. We had some chicken on the sure. grill, and I made this for myself. A little, to te- yeah, a little special. And I had all the ingredients up here. I also did use the tarragon because I bought it specially for this oh. recipe, and it calls for it. And I thought something to note with that is sometimes people grow tarragon, and there's not a lot of recipes to use it in. Oh yeah, this is one because it is a distinct tasting. It has that kind of, you know, anise almost. It does, yeah. Yeah, that licorice taste. So if you're growing tarragon in your garden, this might be a great recipe to use it for this summer. Hmm. Just a little note. Interesting. So, yeah. So there you go. Cauliflower. The next recipe we have is definitely more family friendly, Betsy. Mm -hmm. And this was a favorite of yours. Yeah, it's chicken enchiladas with creamy green sauce. This is a Martha Stewart recipe. Mm -hmm. It is my go-to chicken enchilada recipe. 
I have made it so many times. Mm. You make a sauce, basically, with sour cream and green salsa. You kind of mix it up in a bowl. And then you dip your tortillas in that, oh, fill yeah. them up with chicken, roll them up, put them on, you know, in a 9 by 13, cover the rest of it with that sour cream salsa sauce, maybe some cheese on there, bake it up. It's so good. Yeah, it it is funny. And also, I think what is hilarious is that a recipe actually calls for heavy cream and you're making it with sour cream. You've already adapted it and didn't even Oh, that's it. funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Which you could I do like either. Because I, I feel like, like I would have sour cream in the house much more than heavy cream. And that is why I do that. That's so funny that I didn't even notice that. When I was writing my notes up for this, I just automatically put sour cream in there without specifically referencing yeah. the recipe. But yes, I do have sour cream and I almost never have heavy cream, so... So there you go. Yeah. I think that's the fun part about favorite recipes is that they kind of evolve over time for Mm -hmm. your home and your situation. Maybe you're a person who does keep heavy cream in your fridge and, Mm -hmm. you know, God bless you if you do that. Um, So sounds like it works either way. I thought this could be really easy to make if you had like pre-cooked chicken, like a rotisserie chicken that you brought home. Even then it came together really easily. I halved the recipe because there's no situation where James and I could eat a 9 by 13 of enchiladas (laughs) (laughs) without like eating it for the whole week and him getting really sick of enchiladas Um, and me too so I halved it and it worked fine yeah yeah it's a pretty it seems like a pretty flexible recipe because there's nothing complicated going on there yeah he James really loved them I thought they were great you know they went with me for lunch really easily heated up nicely I would use a spicier salsa next time because the cream really dialed down the heat and I kind of wanted a bit more zing Yes, and I will say you can go both ways with this recipe because I've made it with a spicier green salsa, which was delicious for us, but maybe a little bit too much for the kids. If you're making it without with a very mild green salsa, mm. it it makes for a very mild, creamy, comfort yeah. food tasting enchilada, which, which is, is delicious. Very family friendly, but I agree. I actually would prefer a spicier salsa to cut some of that cream. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. So I give this a five out of five because it's just one I use all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally get how this is a family favorite. I also think it's, it'd be one that, you know, sometimes you have people over for dinner where you're like, I want to make something nice, but I don't know if they're super adventurous and, you know, you can make this with some beans and some salad and I think everyone would love it. Um, So I give this a four out of five stars. I thought this, I was so happy to try it because I know you talked about this before and kind of like I've yelled at you about the cauliflower, you've yelled at me about the enchiladas. Yeah, and I actually know mom <laughs> texted me for this recipe, and she's oh, really? made it recently, too. Yeah, and she oh. liked it, so that's good. Okay, so our last recipe, speaking of mom, yeah. is chicken cacciatore. Yes, so this, I just, as soon as we, I thought of this theme, I was like, I've got to make this recipe. I think it's a really sweet story, actually a couple stories that go along with this recipe that have to do with our childhood and have to do with our mom. Right, so we ate this a lot growing up, mm-hmm. which is just it has such good comfort food memories for me and we always called it kitchen cacciatore instead of chicken cacciatore and i mean i so distinctly remember that yeah and it's just so sweet and just requesting kitchen cacciatore like can we have kitchen cacciatore tonight Yes, because it was one of our favorites all four of us Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and i actually catch myself saying that sometimes 
Like, I know. When, <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, kitchen cacciatore. Yeah. And the reason we could all make this recipe when we moved out of the house is that our mom made us recipe boxes. <laughs> so for me, this is one of my most treasured possessions is this box of handwritten recipes. She wrote out all of our favorite recipes by hand and organized them by tabs like meat and pasta and candy and, and dessert. And kitchen cacciatore was one of them. She actually wrote like chicken and then like kitchen cacciatore smiley face on mm-hmm. the recipe, which I was like, oh, I love it so much. I know. And I love my two and I actually use it a lot. And mm-hmm. I will say, I think what's really sweet is that mom too has been sending for holidays and birthday gifts and things. She'll always include a another recipe card mm-hmm. for the kids. So it'll Aww. say like Nana's biscotti or... Maggie and Nana's yogurt bark or something. And then they can put that in my recipe box and it's a handwritten recipe. So it's such a simple, easy tradition that would be, it would be easy to start. And it's so meaningful. I love it. It's just, yeah. And I'm not a super, I'm not a person who likes to keep a lot of things. I don't collect a lot of things, Mm -hmm. but this is small box. Like, I don't feel like I've got a lot of stuff, you know, it's not like, but you just pull it out. And then all these memories that are in there, like mom's pie crust, the kuchen. Mm -hmm. um, And don't you have a recipe that you make a lot? I do. I've got this delicious chocolate cherry dump cake, which is like a chocolate, it's a German chocolate box cake and then a can of cherry pie filling. And it's one of those nine by 13 kind of cakes yes. you know that's just delicious so yes. i need to make it again soon it's definitely one of those like, having people over for a barbecue cakes yes so yeah. delicious i've had it and i haven't made that i haven't made it yet Ugh. oh you need to Not i do you. take it with me to potlucks and things like yeah. that mm-hmm. all right but we are talking about chicken cacciatore so yeah. This recipe isn't is not complicated, which I think is why it got made so often for kids mm-hmm. and it's delicious. You just saute some lightly floured chicken parts. I use chicken thighs, bone in chicken thighs. Would also work well with drumsticks. It would not work well, I think, with chicken breast because this simmers for a long time. Right. So you saute the chicken parts, simmer it with the garlic, onions, canned tomatoes, basil, oregano, and you simmer it for like an hour. So mm-hmm. to just take a little bit of time. But mom always served it with spaghetti and you're good to go. Yeah. So the key here is time. And I think that's, it's good to have some recipes that, that take a little bit longer. (laughs) If you have, if you're home on the weekend or even if you get home at five and you're eating at six. Yeah. Or 6.30. I made this on a weeknight because we, I yeah. ate a little later. It wasn't a week that it wasn't the day that I went to the gym. So I kind of got home, started dinner, and then it simmered for an hour while I did other things, mainly Instagram. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to say, well, I like hand knit some of my own dishcloths and clean the house. No, I probably was on Instagram. Just, I'm honest. Well, yes. I mean, for us, it's a matter of <laughs> can we get home, get this started, and then in the school year or something like that, you've got... Homework and backpacks and what needs to be signed and just all sorts of different things that kind of pile up towards the end of the day. So I like, I don't mind having something for dinner where I'm not actively over the stove doing something where I've done my part. Mm. Mm -hmm. Now it's simmering and we've got some time to do something else. I'm curious about Instapotting this. You probably could. Maybe you should try that out and tell us how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, because James loved this. Like this was gone in a licky split, so we could easily make this again soon. I will instapot this and report back. Okay, but I got to tell you, this is—I hadn't made this in a long time. I took one bite. I went right back to my childhood. It was so good, 
And it's just a very simple, simple, delicious dish. James is a big fan, like I said. Mm-hmm. Five out of five. Forks. Love it. Yeah, definitely a five out of five for me, too. Mm-hmm. So those are our three favorite recipes. We had the cauliflower, the enchiladas, and then the, I'm just going to call it kitchen cacciatore. Mm-hmm. I mean, the cauliflower simplified is a favorite of mine, and I'll probably make it forever, but, you know, you just can't. Chick- kitchen cacciatore has got to be the winner for me. I'm just nostalgic and a softie when it comes to that stuff. So that's my winner this week. I know. Me too. Any of these recipes sound good? Make sure to check out our show notes and grocery list at www.dinnersisters.com. There you'll find links to all of our recipes, any tips or techniques we discussed, as well as a link to our shopping list spreadsheet. All right, so smorgasbord. What's happening in the smorgasbord this week, Kate? Okay, so I thought we could talk about some different media that I've been enjoying lately that's specifically about food. (sighs) Sister Wives is on hiatus, um, which is, you know, a big hole in my viewing, my TV (laughs) viewing (laughs) on Sundays, um, specifically. Um, I've had to expand my television options, plus there's a few magazines that uh, you and I have been reading. Yeah, I love this idea. So tell us what you found out. Okay, so first the magazines. You were actually the one who reminded me about Milk Street. Mm -hmm. So this is the magazine that Chris Kimball, who used to head America's Test Kitchen, he started this magazine slash kind of media company post his, you know, job, his tenure there, which, by the way, was him leaving was a mild scandal that the New York Times wrote up. I remember. No one will talk about it. Yeah. Like what really should, happened. We should link to that article. <laughs> should. It's like, oh my goodness. I mean, it has something to do with money, as it always yeah. does. Right. Yeah. So if you've ever read Cook's Illustrated, it's an ad-free, and I still like it, magazine for just recipes. They do so much testing. Anyway, like Cook's Illustrated, Milk Street is ad-free, and I found the easiest way to get it is to, is to subscribe. I, I really haven't seen it on the shelves anywhere. Have you? I did. Well, the reason oh. I found this is because I went to Candler Park Market in our neighborhood and it's like one of those small yeah you know wine deli mm. kind of upscale mm-hmm. i guess urban Which market I could find this on the east side mm-hmm. and yeah. it's it and i found it in their magazine selections and i thought it was really fun to read and it has a very global feel yes. which surprised me but i guess that's his thing kind of yeah, I, I think so. I'm, you know, as we know, a huge food nerd. And I mm-hmm. loved the stories. They're very global that go along with the food. And since I was, like you said, the world flavors thing, I was yeah. like, oh, man, is anyone going to be able to make these besides someone who's willing to go to 12 ethnic markets to like, yes. find all this stuff? But I read through the recipes. I think if you live in an area with a decent grocery store, you might actually be set to make like 85 to 90 percent of these recipes. And I even lived in northern Maine for a while. And I'm talking like Canada kids. (laughs) And I sometimes like think back, what could I and couldn't I not find? I only a few recipes would require an Amazon purchase of lemongrass or, um, you know, bamboo shoots or something. Yeah. um, Which I thought was good. Yeah. You know, so I think even if you're a person who's like, I don't want to go over a whole, you know, I want to expand my recipes a little bit. I want to try something new. May, June issue looks so good i made the vietnamese shaking beef oh fun yeah it's like a stir-fry beef james loves a stir-fry so i was like i gotta try this out but it's beef and then you make it with soy sauce fish sauce lime and vinegar so it's really kind of like tangy delicious yeah and you serve it over watercress which i i can only find seasonally Mm -hmm. so i just use arugula because it's also like a spicy green yeah had some rice on the side it was really good 
Yeah, I haven't made anything out of this because we're doing so much cooking for the podcast. <laughs> I don't really have additional time <laughs> in my life to be experimenting with right. more recipes. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, but I did enjoy reading through it, and I I liked the different voices. There's there's a couple of different writers in there, and it just feels very approachable. Mm-hmm. And in a, and it doesn't feel so formulaic in the way that some kind of food magazines feel yeah. these days where they're like, 50 things to barbecue, <laughs> right? 100 ways to make cupcakes. You know, it's, yeah. it's a little bit. <laughs> they like go on a trip somewhere and then bring back recipes and try to adapt them for the home cook, essentially. Yes. Seems to yeah, be the premise, like that. which is fun. Yeah. Yeah. A <laughs> hundred cupcakes. Oh my gosh. Isn't that true? Okay. So the other thing I've been doing a lot because the sister wives is watching Netflix and mm-hmm. season four of a chef's table has come out. Right. And I almost lost my mind because this is all pastry chefs and baking. And I loved every episode, but the, the, the show itself, right. Okay. So to back up a little bit, um, the show itself is that each episode is a different chef you follow them and their work, their origin story of their career, and then you get these like mind-blowing shots of their food and process. Mm-hmm. Um, so one season they had this guy who like works in Patagonia and does these crazy outdoor grilling things for super rich people who fly in and get this like grilling experience. Right. I don't know how else to explain it. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do not watch the show with an empty stomach. You will be upset. This season is all pastry. So it's just crazy. People who have just like devoted themselves to their craft. Um, my favorite was actually Christina Tosi, who mm-hmm. is the mastermind behind Milk Bar, which you may or may not heard of, which is a came out of another restaurant called Momofoku. Milk Bar does these crazy desserts. She's got this these naked cakes, which don't have a lot of frosting on the side. Like she's one of the people who really popularized that. Mm-hmm. She has these like compost cookies that have potato chips and pretzels and chocolate chips and oats and all the stuff in them yeah. and cereal milk, which is another thing. Right. So you got to admire her. She, and her. She's such a hard worker. She comes from Midwest and like made her name. It was really cool. Yeah, it was really fun. Grant and I watched this season and one of the things I really like about it yeah we watched it together when we were just home over the weekend and I really liked the fact that they tell the whole story of these of these chefs from Mm. they kind of go from how they started and some there's always some obstacles that they've overcome and it really talks about their work ethic and so from that point of view it's kind of fun to watch with your kids because it's it's about food but it's really about kind of achieving success in life but through hardship and balancing yeah. work and life and family and all of these things. That said, this was also uh, a season that was a little controversial mm. with the, have you been reading about this? Didn't they found like a lack of diversity in the yes. pastry chef? Yes. So Christina is the only woman and I don't believe there was much other diversity in the, in the chefs in this season. So they, it was interesting. I actually heard an interview. They interviewed Christina in another show, and I can't recall which one it was. It was the Eater Upsell. Eater Upsell, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she talks about that. And if you remember, she said she didn't know. They don't tell you who else is on there. And she did not know she was the only woman. And she actually had an interesting conversation with the producer of the show who kind of said, yeah, we screwed up. We need to think about that more. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, they seem to be thoughtful about it. Yeah, we'll see. Good. We'll see so, if next season yeah. they're able to diversify a bit. And what they're going to come out with. So, mm-hmm. all right. Great. Speaking of next seasons and next weeks, right. what do we have coming up? 
summer salads. Yes, I like this because, you know, similar to grilling and eating sandwiches and things like that, a summer salad is always is always a good one. You picked a bulgur salad with lemony shrimp, kind mm-hmm. of, which I'm looking forward to making. Yes, yes. And there's also another salad that has like some um, tomato and chicken that you serve over toast, which I'm kind of excited too. So yeah, that's what we've got coming up. All right, that's it for dinner. See you next time, and we'll save a spot at the table for you. Would you like a little dinner in your inbox every week? Subscribe to our newsletter by going to our website at www.dinnersisters.com for the show notes, shopping lists, other fun stuff. If you've got some dinner ideas, shoot us an email at dinnersisterspodcast at gmail.com. We're also taking questions and comments, and we might feature them on later shows. So feel free. And if you don't give us a snappy name, Betsy will make one for you. <laughs> I sure will. But send in the comments and the questions. I really, really enjoyed that Super last fun. week. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. And as per usual, if you like what you hear, please review and subscribe. Just click on the stars, guys. Star us up. That's how people get to know us on iTunes, actually, and um, other platforms. So please do that if you get a chance. Thank you so much and happy eating. <laughs>